Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. It's Hebrews chapter 11. Take a look at verse 1 as a measure of review. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Our faith has substance. The substance is attached to the great God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. He is the substance of our faith. And whenever God says something, you can take it to the bank. Listen to what God says about his own word. It's Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 10. It's on the screen. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Next slide. No? All right. I'm going to turn there and finish it. There it is. For my thoughts are not... No, not that slide. Sorry. I'm going to go there. Isaiah chapter 55. It's probably not their fault. Isaiah chapter 55. I want you to see this in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 55. Here it is. Verse... I'm going to pick it up from um, verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and bring it forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Let me tell you what God is saying. God means what he says, and he says what he means. He doesn't say anything haphazardly. And whatever he has said, take it to the bank. It will come to pass. Even in the most impossible situation, like, hey, Noah, there's going to be rain. Excuse me? What's that? Would you build a boat? The problem is not God. The problem is that sometimes we begin to doubt God's word because of his way. Let me explain. It's why he told Isaiah in chapter 55, verse 8, look at the screen. He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. Because none of us would choose a test. And none of us would choose a trial. 
but it's the way of God. None of us would go, I'd like to be tested. And if you are, you are a unique individual. I'd like to know you. If you would choose a trial, none of us like tests and trials. His ways are not our ways. I'll never forget, we had just moved to Montana. Remember, I'm from the Bahamas. We immigrated to Florida. I don't know what snow is, much less what they call black ice. Apparently, it's when the pavement looks like pavement, but it's filled, it's covered with ice. Well, we're driving home from church in the middle of a blizzard. I hit black ice. Being from the Bahamas, when the car goes out of the control, you hit the brakes. Apparently, you don't do that when you hit ice. We went over a 40-foot cliff. Our car turned over one and a half times as we're going over the cliff. I scream, we're all going to die. My wife screams, Lord, protect us by the power of your name. And we went right over. Not even a scratch on one of us. All windows busted out. Top of the car, uh, roof of the car dented in. I mean, the sides of the car were smushed because we rolled over one and a half times going over the cliff. As we're all trying to get out, someone sees us go over, pulls over the side of the road, and they come down the 40-foot ravine and start pulling my children out of the car who were all young and in car seats at the time. This is the story of my life. So my wife gets out of the car, and because we're coming home from the church, all of our Bibles were in the car, and my Bible was right in front of me outside in the car, and it was in between the car and the ledge. And I told her, just leave the Bible. Get up the ravine. Get out of here. So then I get out. I go around and grab my Bible. Why I thought I needed my Bible, I had no idea. But when I pulled my Bible out, the car slipped another 40 feet down the ravine. Nothing like standing on the Word of God. (laughs) The very next Sunday, I was teaching at church. And the man that pulled over to help us showed up to church. Him and his whole family. That Sunday, they were so amazed that we survived the accident, he, his wife, and all of his children got saved. He became a deacon in the church. (laughs) You know what I told the Lord? Next time you want someone saved, give me the address. (laughs) I will go knock on the door. And I will just say, Jesus told me to come to you. You, you, don't have, you don't have to make me go over a ravine. I don't understand your way. You ever been there before? Have you ever told God I've got a better plan than this? Ever? See, these Christians were going through it. That's why the writer of Hebrews is speaking to them. They were going through it. And they were going through it because of their faith. But it wasn't just trials that they were going through. They were also being tested. You see, they were having problem situations from God. They were having pressure from family from God. Can I remind you that it was God that broke Jacob's hip? It was God that allowed Daniel to go into the lion's den. They were having 
persecution from the culture. God was allowing it. So the Holy Spirit inspires them, inspires the writer in Hebrews 11, to give a list of very normal people that made it through the trials and the tests of life, despite the pressure from family. Abel honored God. Enoch, though no one on the earth was walking with God for 365 years, Enoch walked with God. When no one else in the world was following God, Enoch said, I will walk with God. And then there's Noah. Noah, he followed God, though he didn't even understand what was going on. He didn't even have any concept of what rain is. Abraham. Abraham forsook the pleasures of this world and embraced the simple life of a tent that God had for him, though he had the money to buy a tower. Abraham. These were real people who had real problems. They're not Bible stories. They're not Sunday school stories. Though they are, please come out of that mode for just a moment. They were you and me, and they were facing insurmountable tasks. But they trusted God in the midst of it. We've all been there. Just like the disciples in Mark chapter 4. Turn there with me if you would. Mark's gospel, chapter 4. Let's take a look where the disciples are. We'll pick it up there in verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, hear the word of God, listen to what Jesus told them. Let us cross over to the other side. What's the promise? We are getting to the other side. There's the promise from God. Jesus spoke to them, we are going to the other side. They had a promise from the Lord. They had the word of God. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. In other words, they're dying. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. I love that about the Lord. The things that freak us out put Jesus to sleep. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever said that to the Lord? Do you have any idea what I'm going through here? Do you know what's going on? Then he arose. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, so we now know it was a demonic storm. Okay, we know this was a spiritual attack on the disciples' lives. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, listen to the lesson. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus, do you care what's going on? Like, I'm praying and I don't think you're responding. Are you asleep up in heaven? Do you have any idea my situation, my problem? Do you realize the trial, the test, whatever it is that I'm going through? Do you care? The enemy always wants to lie in God's silence. When God is silent, he always wants to fill us with the lie that God doesn't care. But let me assure you that God's silence is not his inactivity. So Jesus responds to the disciples the same way he responds to us. What's up with your faith? 
Because there's one thing very important to Jesus because it pleases God. Faith pleases God. And so he will do whatever it takes to build our faith because it glorifies himself. Whatever it takes. For Abel, it cost his life. So are you surprised when Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ? For Enoch, 365 long years of faithfully walking with God. For Noah, it was building something he had no idea what for. For Abraham, it was tents instead of towers. For you, I have no idea. I have no idea what you need to build your faith, but let me tell you who does. God does. In fact, most of us would think about good old Abraham like we think about ourselves. That when God said to Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldeans and go to the land of Canaan, it's a promised land for you, he did it. Many of us would look at that and say, good job, Abraham. That's good enough for you. One test is great. I mean, you left Ur of the Chaldeans and you went all the way to the Canaan. Come on, you did it. He did what God told him to do. But I got to tell you something about God. He wasn't done with Abraham. And he's not done with you. And sometimes when we take a step of faith, we think, I got the faith badge. (laughs) No more tests for me. I believe in God. And God goes, oh, we got so much work to do on you. (laughs) And I want to help you understand something about God. Something that you could rest assured in. It's Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this. The Bible says, being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a verse we put on a plaque until God gives us a test to complete the work he started. Then we want to throw that plaque in the fire. You see, we all want to be completed, but none of us want the process. And what he's going to do with Abraham and what he's doing with you and me, he's going to keep building faith until you're completed. And let me tell you what that completion looks like. That when you look in the reflection, you see Jesus. And he will take a lifetime, a lifetime of tests and trials to build your faith. Hebrews chapter 11, would you go there with me? Hebrews chapter 11, now let's pick it up and continue the story of Abraham because God's not finished with Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to pick it up in verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He would receive the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, Wait a minute. What just happened? 
I know it's a Sunday school story, but could you just stop for just a minute? Do you realize that the Bible's like way of going offered up means that God said to Abraham, kill your son? Like that's the Bible's polite way to say, Abraham, kill your son. He was asked to offer him up. Is it possible to put yourself in his shoes right now? Is it possible for you to understand what's happening here between God, a father, and a son? God, you want me to do what? Can you grasp the reality of the situation as overwhelming? His only son. Could you just, wait a second, is this in the Bible? This is unbelievable. I can't believe this is happening to me. Think of your own situation. This is insurmountable. This is the way Abraham was feeling. And I wonder if any of you could be there tonight. God, what? I can't believe this. I mean, what's going on? And what the Holy Spirit is doing is using Abraham's life to show us what to do in those moments because Abraham was being tested. Now, once again, the writer of Hebrews is assuming we have full knowledge of what's going on because every Jewish little kid grew up in Hebrew school and learned all of these stories. But some of us are going, coming to the faith for the first time and you're going, wait a second, Pastor Jed, what are you talking about? Well, it's not me. Genesis chapter 22. Go there with me if you would. Genesis chapter 22. Let's take a look at this story for just a moment. Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 1. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Now we know from Genesis chapter 18 that God came uh, uh, to Mamre where Abraham's tent was with two other guys, two angels, and they had conversations. So this could be another show up of God. We would call it a Christophany where Jesus was so excited to be with human beings, sometimes he showed up in the Old Testament. And the Bible says, then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Now think of the warm, gushy thing that's happening in Abraham. Ooh, take him where? We're going to go on a trip. Woo! I love my little 12-year-old. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. Whoa, I've always wanted to go there. It's going to be such a great trip. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Excuse me? (laughs) That can't be God. I need to help you understand something. It's one of five things that we'll talk about tonight. We are all in Jesus Christ University. All of us. We are all in JCU. So get a shirt. Wear it. JCU. We are in Jesus Christ University. And I want you to write this down. We have to expect exams. You can't go to school and think there won't be midterms or finals. We have to expect exams. And can I tell you, this was not the first time Abraham was tested. 
Let's take a look at Abraham's life, and maybe we'll give him a report card. Do you remember the leave the family test? We give Abraham an A+. Uh, actually, we give him a C+. Because God told him to leave his family, and he took Lot with him. All right, give you a C+. Do you remember the survive the famine test? Go to the land of Israel. What did Abraham do? He went to Egypt. We give him an F. And let me tell you why we give him an F. Because while he was in Egypt, he gave his wife away. Now, I'm convinced that Abraham is thinking Sarah's the problem. I can't have a child because of this woman. So I'm giving you to Pharaoh. God bless you, Sarah. Don't tell him you're my wife. Tell him you're my sister. He's looking for another woman. Abraham had some issues. Let's go to the family issue test. Remember when Lot's servants and Abraham's servants got into an argument about the land? And Abraham said, Lot, pick whatever land you want. Whatever land you want, you can have it. Okay, for that test, we give him an A. Do you remember the go-to-war test when he found out that Lot had been taken captive? And Abraham grabbed 318 of his fighting men. He had an army. And Abraham went and he defeated the five kings and he came back and gave 10% to Melchizedek? Okay, we give you another A for that one. Do you remember the pray for Sodom test? And he wrestled with God over the lifeblood of Solomon. If there's 50, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 10, if there's just my family... We give him an A for that. But do you remember the wait on God test? We give him an F. Let me tell you why. Because instead of waiting on God for Sarah to give birth, he slept with Hagar. We give you an F. Has anyone ever struggled with patience and failed the patient test? Have you ever been through a patient test? You see, we've got to be careful not to perfect in our flesh what God spoke to us in his spirit. And Abraham took matters into his own hand. The promise was for him. He just didn't wait. I see so many couples do this. God has promised a husband, and you're willing to compromise on someone who's not saved because you believe it's the promise. When God says in his word, don't be unequally yoked. Got to be careful. And then, you remember the last test, the send Ishmael away test? He did it, but he did it hesitantly. So we'll give him a B. So if you add all these up, he's got like a D plus. He's not doing great. And let me tell you why. Because God was still forming the father of faith. And Abraham, Abraham wanted a child more than anything in the world. He was even willing to give his wife away twice so he could get like a new Sarah. He was wanted a child more than anything. And now that he had Isaac, Isaac was now on the throne of Abraham's heart. I know a lot of parents like this. They're called helicopter parents. And wherever that child is, that's where that parent is. Can't even ride his bike down the street because I got to be right there with you. I did you fall down? Well, I'm going to take you to the ER. It's just a scratch. You know parents like that, where their child is the center of their universe, and as soon as God blessed them with a the child, they stop coming to church because they don't want their child to get sick. They stop being involved with church because well, <laughs> someone hurt me. 
and I've got to tend to my child, and someone hurt my child. And all of a sudden, the child becomes the center of their world. Well, that's what it was for Abraham. He was more passionate for the promise instead of the one who gave him the promise. And his faith is being tested because God was removed from the throne of his heart and Isaac was placed there. Can I tell you something about God? I know when we come to Christ, there are bad things that we need to confess and get rid of in our lives. But sometimes there are good things that God wants us to surrender because they've replaced him in your heart. Like that job that you prayed for, but now you can't come to church or be involved. Like that husband that you wanted more than anything. And now the two of you aren't engaged in church or any kind of service. You see, Abraham needed to be tested because God's got to be our all in all and he will not share his throne of your, of your heart with anybody else. He just won't. And tests are important. Tests are important because they help us grow. I was talking to a young man today and I told him, if you take a piece of steel, just about this much steel, that much steel cost about $1.50. But if you take that much steel and you put it through the fire and make a bunch of needles for sewing, that piece of steel is now worth $15. Then if you take those needles and you burn them again and you make a cog that goes into an F-18 fighter jet, that little piece of steel is now worth $2,500. Because the more it's tested with fire, the more valuable it becomes. God is creating value with tests. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, take a look. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, If need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, in other words, burns through the fire, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." Peter learned the hard way. When he was tested, he gave in. Now he sees the value of the test, and he says, all God is doing is purifying your faith. James chapter 1. James, he takes a whole different look at it. Take a look. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience is a quality and a character of God. And what he's saying is, tests and trials perfect our character. Listen to what Paul said with his own trials. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He makes it very clear in regards to his own trial, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, 
to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. What I've chosen for you is good. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Put that on a plaque. Put that on a plaque. Because our tests and trials actually protect us from sinfulness. Protecting him from pride. So we have to expect tests. We've got to expect exams. But I want you to write this down. Number two, respond to what God has said. Don't react on how you feel. It's Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. He was looking at impending doom. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, a little boy, 12-year-old boy, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Respond to what has God said. Don't react how you feel. Something important to recognize as we go into Genesis chapter 22, most of us know the end of the story. Abraham did it. Don't walk into this going, oh, he knows what's going to happen. He had no idea what was going to happen. All he knew, and Hebrew confirmed it for us, all he knew was Genesis chapter 21 verse 12. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. That's all he knew. Now in Genesis chapter 22, one chapter later, God says, sacrifice your son. Through Isaac, the promise will be had, and now you want me to kill him. These are two irreconcilable truths. Think of Abraham's life. This is an impossible situation. How will God ever figure this out? Someone much smarter than me said this. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and to expect what seems impossible. That's a test. And how did Abraham respond? Would you take a look at verse 3? Abraham rose early. Please don't take from Abraham the anguish of this three-day journey. Because the Bible says, would you take a look? Then on the third day, verse 4, Abraham lifted his eyes. Because let me show you how Abraham was walking for three days. Hundred-year-old man. This is like his great-grandson. Just, you, know how, you know how, like great-grandparents treasure their great-grandchildren. So he's 100 years old, but it's his kid. Just walk on this. The Bible says, he lifted his eyes 
and he saw the mountain where he was going to kill his son. He saw the terminal disease. This was his one and only son. Chapter before, he had just sent Ishmael away. Now God is going to take Isaac. What in the world is going on? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the stuck in the middle of two irreconcilable truths? God's promised you this, but your situation is this. Abraham was filled with anguish. Abraham's eyes down on the ground, he was filled with anxiety. I'm sure he had a couple of words for God in angst. He was agitated. But verse 3 says, so Abraham rose early. He didn't ask God why, nor did he need an explanation. He simply rose up to obey the Lord. Warren Wearsby says this, faith does not demand explanations. Faith rests on promises. Do you remember Hebrews 11? We're going to read it again. Take a look, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he rose up early, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises... He received the fact that Isaac was the son, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in chapter 21 of Genesis, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Church, he came to the conclusion in his irreconcilable truths, there must be a resurrection. Look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. The Bible says, we will come back to you. Can I, can, I know we know resurrection because of Easter. There had never been a recorded resurrection up to this time of Genesis chapter 22. A full new concept. But Abraham came to the conclusion, believing Genesis 21 that Isaac was the seed, and believing Genesis 22 that God is having him walk to a mountain to sacrifice him, he trusted God for the impossible because God's word will accomplish what he said. So in all of his confusion, he came up with a new theology. There must be a a resurrection. Genesis chapter 22, let's go on with our story, verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Now, don't be confused about the fire in his hand. Um, When we lived in West Africa, we would go to our neighbor's house early in the morning if we saw that they had a fire, and we would put a little bit of fire in our hand, a little top of a pot, and we'd bring it to our house so that we didn't have to make a fire. It was a very common thing in this kind of situation. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Me and my children never talk like this. They're like, Yo, Dad! (laughs) This is way too far. Here I am, my son. And I'm like, What do you want? Then he said, look the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? What a smart 12-year-old. Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. 
Then they came to the place of which God told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Surprise, surprise. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh, as it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. If you take a note, number three, trust God's character, not your situation. Trust God's character. You see, God had already showed Abraham that he brings dead things to life. That's his character. Of course, Abraham would come up with a theology of resurrection. It's Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Let me remind you, and not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Sarah was way past menopause, and Abraham, there was no way for him to have a child. Both of their bodies were dead. I love God. Do you know that when God gives us a test, he gives us study notes to pass? You ever have one of those tests? An open book test? Where the teacher gives you all the answers? It's there right in front of you. All you have to do is read the answer. That's God. Because the Lord had already given him the study notes. He had already shown that he takes dead things and he resurrects them and makes life. That's his character. He's a resurrecting God. It's why Jesus said of Abraham's faith in John chapter 8, verse 56, the Bible speaking that Jesus spoke unto about Abraham, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day because Abraham believed in resurrections and he saw it and was glad. Abraham believed in resurrection because God had already resurrected his own body and church. Do you believe in a resurrection for your situation? The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, take a look, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul is letting us know that the power of the resurrection is available for us as well. And we have the best cheat sheet. Jesus has already resurrected from the grave to show us he's a resurrecting God. He's already given us the study notes. And maybe we need to trust God like Abraham to resurrect our situation, knowing Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How does he strengthen you? With the power of the resurrection. You see, Abraham knew God's character. He was a resurrecting God. But Abraham also knew something else about God's character. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 9, verse 5. Surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. This is God speaking to Noah. 
From the hand of every beast, I'll require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Abraham knew God's character. Killing your child was not the character of God. He told Noah, don't kill anybody. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 31. Listen to the heart of God. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination of the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Abraham knew God hated this. Listen to the character of God. Jeremiah would even report because he knows the character of God. Jeremiah 19.5. They have also built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it come by my mind. The Canaanites, where Abraham was living, constantly were burning their children to Molech. But God's not like that. Abraham knew the character of God. So think how confused Abraham must have been when God was asking Abraham to be like the Canaanites that he'd already asked them not to be like. Think how confused he was. And in his confusion and misunderstanding, he came to the conclusion that God must be doing something that only God can do. And if he resurrected my body, he'll resurrect my son. He came to that conclusion. Now, you're a dad. Imagine how difficult it was to trust in God's character with this situation. Hey, dad. 12-year-old kid. Hey, dad. See the wood? See the fire? Where's the lamb? Now, you be the 99-year-old man that responds to that 12-year-old. Imagine what he was feeling. Me, at that moment, I run overwhelmed. I take Isaac and we're out of there. This can't be God. This can't be God. Where's the lamb? How do I tell him you're the lamb? What do you explain to a 12-year-old child? You see, for me, I would be like, God, let me help you out. (laughs) Because I know you're not like the God of the Canaanites, and because I knew you never asked me to do this, let me help you out. I'm going to get out of here. We're not going up to Mount Moriah. We're going to Everest, okay? We're going to do a little climb, but a different mountain. Romans tells us he did not waver. You see, he didn't waver in the pleasure of having Isaac. And he didn't waver in the pain of losing him. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't struggle. When the Bible says he didn't waver, it doesn't make Abraham perfect. It doesn't mean that he didn't struggle. When the Bible says he didn't waver, he didn't waver at trusting God's truth because he actually was going to do what God asked him to do. He stretched out his hand, and he was going to accomplish the task. That's what the Bible means when it says he did not waver. But God was true to his character, and he trusted God's character. And he announces Jehovah Jireh. God has provided. And guess what? God did. To which Abraham proclaimed, in the mount of the Lord... God is Jehovah Jireh. 
But I need you to understand. Because some of us claim, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Like we sing the song, and whatever we want, he's our Jehovah Jireh. I want a husband, Jehovah Jireh. My pro- I want a job, Jehovah Jireh. And we just, we sing Jehovah Jireh over everything. But the Bible says in Genesis 22, in the mount of the Lord. Now that's important. He provided for Abraham because Abraham was where God told him to be. Jehovah Jireh. He wasn't off in the world doing whatever he wanted. He didn't run to another mountain. He was exactly where God told him to be. And he provided for Abraham right when God thought he needed provision. Not when Abraham thought. If I was God, I would have come through like at the base of the mountain. He also provided for Abraham very naturally. A ram got caught in the thicket. It wasn't a supernatural thing. A ram, a sheep just happened to be up there, and he just got caught in the thicket. This is why Pastor Chuck, who founded Calvary Chapel, he always used to say, where God guides, he provides. And let me tell you what Pastor Chuck was saying. Trust the character of God, not your situation. Number four, if you're taking note, purpose to praise, honor, and glorify the Lord. In the midst of your test and trial, and if you can't determine which one it is, purpose to praise, honor, and glorify the Lord. Do you remember Peter's, 1 Peter 1.7? That the genuineness of your faith being found much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus. Let me tell you something about Abraham. He was going through a fiery test, and he praised God with his steadfast obedience. He became a living sacrifice, which was his reasonable worship. And I know that we sing songs as the sacrifice of our lips, but our living sacrifice of a life, steadfastly obedient to God, is the same as us singing a song here in church. It praises God. we got a purpose to honor the Lord. Could you just stop for a moment and think of the pressure he got from Sarah? Where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you taking my son? She had just kicked out Ishmael. I don't want anything to harm my child. Imagine the pressure. Think of the inner turmoil that was going on in Abraham, and yet he honored in his obedience. Think of the emotional upheaval when Isaac asked him, Dad, where's the lamb? But Abraham honored God. You see, we've got a purpose to glorify the Lord in the midst of our tests. And Abraham's faith glorified the Lord. Let me tell you how. He immediately obeyed. God said it, so he rose early. He didn't wait till noon. As soon as the sun was up, he was going to do what God called him to do. And he trusted God completely to do what only God can do. That's why he said to the servants, we will come back to you. Abraham's faith glorified the Lord. Because he didn't give Ishmael or Eleazar or one of the 318 fighting men. He gave his best, his only son. I've made a commitment. When I was a missionary, people used to send us things. Their old shoes, shirts with stains on them. I'm not kidding. They would send us a love package, and it was everything they didn't want it. they sent to us, the missionaries, because we could use it. 
And I've made a commitment that I'm going to send my best. Because I, Abraham gave his best and God gave his best, his son Jesus Christ. Take a look what happens in Genesis 22, and here's where we close. Verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. Hey, Abraham, come here. He said, by myself I have sworn. So we know this angel of the Lord is God. By myself I have sworn. So this is a Jesus show up, says the Lord. Because you've done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men. They rose and went together to Beersheba, 50 miles away, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Number five, here's where we close. Maybe you'll write it down. Have faith in God for your future. Think of what God did to prepare this moment for Abraham and Isaac. Many years prior to this moment, a seed from God blew in the wind and dropped in this very place And a bush grew in a desert large enough to catch a ram. God had been preparing for this moment for a long time. Then, some random ram is walking at the base of the mountain. And God puts it in the ram, start climbing the mountain. Think of all that God is putting into place for this moment. God has a perfect plan that concerns you, even in your trial and test. The psalmist believed it. Psalm 138, verse 8, the Bible says, the Lord will, do you believe this? He will perfect that which concerns, not the church, me. He cares about me. And not only did Abraham receive his son back, he was blessed by God himself. This is why Job said in his test, though he slay me, I will trust him. Our future rests in the hand of the almighty God. Jesus said it better than ever I could. Take a look. Therefore, Jesus talk, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on, Gucci or Target. (laughs) Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, common sense, which of you, by worrying about your test or your trial, 
can add one cubit to his stature. You can't grow an inch by worrying. You can't grow an inch. Trust God for your future. And though you're walking through a test or a trial, let Abraham be our example of faith. Because this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across to those that were listening. I know you're going through a test. Let me show you how to go through it. He doesn't say, okay, we won't give the test. That's not what he says. I was amazed at Calvary Chapel Bible College. Whenever their test came, the students always came, I'm not ready. You know what I responded? I don't care. The test is coming your way. They thought because they were at Calvary Chapel Bible College that I have grace. I said, the best grace for you is you fail. That's the best grace for you. Because maybe by failing, you'll learn your greatest lesson. I had a student, and he great guy. Loved him to death. Student, then he was an intern. He was on staff. He went home for a weekend to celebrate a friend's birthday, and while he was home, he started smoking pot, drinking, doing the whole deal. He actually came back to the ministry, flew back to the ministry, and he was still drunk. And he said, I guess you want to fire me. I said, dude, you better sober up and pull it together because your small group is waiting and that you need to go there and minister. And he looked at me and he goes, you're not going to fire me? I said, nope. you got a job to do. You better go do it because I'm not doing your job. And I said, you need this failure so that you'll never go back to the pig slop again. And I'm going to give you grace. Today, he's pastoring a church in Florida given his whole life to God and never went back to the slop. You may fail a test like Abraham. You may have gotten an F, but you can be confident of this, that he who began the work will continue to test you until faith is proven genuine. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And I pray in Jesus' name that we'd have a lot more grace for each other. Because many of us are going through tests and trials, and sometimes we pass, like Abraham, and sometimes we fail. And I pray, Lord, that as we pass through our tests, that you would produce faith in us. You're a resurrecting God. You make dead things come alive. Abraham knew it. So do we because of Jesus. If you're going through a test right now, I want to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand? You're walking through a test. You're walking through a trial. You've got two irreconcilable truths and you don't know what to do. You're confused just like Abraham. So, Father, I pray for every hand that's lifted. In the midst of confusion, give them peace. Let them default your word. 
I pray that they would trust you and not their situation. I ask God that they would look to Abraham who sets an example in the midst of a test what to do and what not to do. I pray they'd hold on to their marriage because God hates divorce. I pray they say goodbye to that boyfriend who's not saved because you've asked us not to be unequally yoked. And I pray that you give strength to fulfill their calling by the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.